0: Um, okay, so we are in the last, as I say, of Resurrection Life. We're coming up to uh, chapter 16, the last chapter. And we'll begin, if somebody wouldn't mind, reading from verse 42 of chapter 15 to the end of chapter 15. So 42 to 58. First Corinthians 15. sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body.
1: It is sown in body. it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man became a living soul. The last man Adam became okay, a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first one is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Mm -hmm. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to Mm -hmm. God, who gives us the victory, my lord jesus christ therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work
0: of the lord knowing that your toil is not in vain immovable. thank you so we have really in, in some ways you'd want the letter to end here wouldn't you because it's so such a triumphant shout of victory and uh interesting really because i you feel like paul actually sees this in front of him he sees the reality of the day when he his perishable will put on imperishable when when everything when death itself will be swallowed up in this victory and um, and he's speaking now he says. Uh, but thanks be to God, verse 57, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's, there's a coming into this, there's a community of victory, if it, as you, if it was. It's not just Jesus who has the victory, it's each one of us who has the victory. And I think he wants them to know this, to really be sure of it, and to practice seeing it in their mind, to practice the reality of it, because... Um, we were talking a lot yesterday, and uh, well, generally, I mean, as we all know, th- what we look at now with our eyes, this is the shadow. This is not the reality. This is the shadow of what is to come for us as believers. And it, we can't automatically understand that or see it or know it, so we have to do battle in our minds with it. We must fight the illusion, because this is the illusion that we're always faced with. We're faced with what looks to us like reality because we can touch it and we can hear it and we can see it with our human eyes. But, but all of the Bible is telling us this is not, this is a shadow. The reality is eternity. In heaven with God, and it is that that Paul's lifting them to. And and the interesting thing is that he's saying this to the Corinthians. I mean, we've come through this book; we know what these Corinthian believers were like. They were far, far, far from perfect, and they were far from even wanting to be perfect. So this is the reality of the end or the beginning, whichever way you want to look at it, for believers in Christ Jesus. If you put your trust in the Lord Jesus, no matter how well you do with your life, with your walking that out, you are assured of victory in him. And that's what Paul will end with. Even though he's got loads of things about these Corinthians that are not good. He says, it's even reported that one of you has his father's wife. So that's the depravity that they have actually got to. But he's going to say, but we have the victory in Christ Jesus, death is swallowed up in victory, and you know it's just amazing, really, because a lot of us here are facing that sort of um, end beginning. You know, our families are, our our loved ones are, we're going through. Really difficult times. I don't even want to say we, because I'm not. But but some many people here are going through very difficult times. Have just been through them. Are facing them, and it can look like failure. It can look like defeat, but it is not defeat if you know the Lord Jesus. It is a shout of triumph, a shout of victory. And it's learning to live in that victory. That is what we're supposed to be doing here. So. uh, he, fin- he says, um, "But oh, uh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting?" And then, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, could somebody read uh, First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen to eighteen? Because um, he's finishing with the glory of what lies ahead, and it might be that, who knows? But it might be that tomorrow or next Monday, Jesus returns. His church, (laughs) who knows? It might be next week, it might be this afternoon, it might be this evening. We might not even have an evening group, Anne and Mike. So, you might have been very wise to come this morning, you know, because he might already be here this afternoon. So, there's and First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18, describes that event. Um, So, uh, somebody read that, First Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18, please
2: Will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, Comfort
0: one another with these words. words. There is victory and it is assured and we are headed for it. And no matter what happens on the way, this victory is for us, that we we have that. There is a triumph coming either when we physically die or when we meet Jesus as he calls to us from the air. Um, Somebody read Revelation 19, verse 1 to 16. Uh, this is what Paul's kind of I- talking about in this triumph when this perishable puts on imperishable. Um, uh, somebody read, yeah, Revelation 19, verse 1 to 16, please. Or maybe someone read eight verses and then someone else read the other eight verses. After these things,
3: I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to, to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservant on her. And the second time they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up for ever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you, his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints.
4: Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce rod of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords.
0: Thank you. Can you see why I'm putting these things together? Because Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he is saying that we have, our hope is the resurrection of every believer because of Christ's resurrection. That each believer in the Lord Jesus will be resurrected to eternal life with God. And that is a triumph, a victory over even physical death itself, that we will be forever with the Lord. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about if we don't die first physically, what will happen is Christ will come back for his church, and he will call to us, and we will meet him in the air. And in that moment, we will be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, this perishable will put on imperishable. And then in chapter 19 of Revelation, what you get is Christ coming back with us to this planet, after at least seven years of a tribulation that happens on this earth, Christ will come back and we will be ready to come back with him because look at what it says. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints, the righteous acts of the believers. And it was given to you to clothe yourself in that. See how these Corinthians might have needed to know this. This is not written till long after Corinthians is written. See how we need to know it. Because when we look at ourselves, we don't see victory. We don't see triumph. We don't see righteous acts very often. What we see is failure and mistake and sin that we're still battling with. And this this battle in our minds to live in the reality of eternity rather than in the the mud of this planet. But what Paul's saying is, and what all the New Testament says is, you are victorious already in Christ Jesus. You have a triumphant end, and it will be glorious, more glorious than you can imagine. And you will be given This fine linen to wear when you come back with the Lord Jesus Christ and coming back you are to rule and reign with him on this planet for a thousand years. And I don't know what you'll be like, but you will be like him. That's what John will say in First John. We do not know yet what we will be like, but we will be like him. And John bases that on everything he knows and believes about God. God cannot lie. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he said yesterday is true today. What he says in his word will never change. He is for you, not against you. He will never leave or forsake you. And no matter the mess you make of your life, you are his you are his, and when you get to be with him, he will give you these robes of fine linen, and you will be beautiful and you will be glorious and I want to cry at the at the wonder of it because I know i won't deserve it yet yeah, he will give me these things, and then he will bring me back with him and finally in revelation well not finally revelation twenty one Um, at the end of the thousand years where we reign with him. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no longer be any death there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain the first things have passed away and he who sits on the throne said behold I am making all things new and he said right for these words are faithful and true and then verse 16 and 17 um, how odd Uh, Then the one who spoke with me, had. uh, sorry, the city is laid out as a square and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles, its length and its width and its height are equal. And he measured its walls 72 yards according to human measurements. Why am I reading that? I don't know. I've got the wrong verses down here. Oh, I'm going to read verse 22. That's wrong. So, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. There is a day coming. A day that is going to take a thousand years between Christ coming back and the end of uh, of his ruling and reigning. But there is a day coming when there will be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears and no more sin. And you and I will live in a new heaven and a new earth. And I can't even, I've got no words for it. I can't even get it into my head. But there it is. You and I are headed for glory. That is the the reality of First Corinthians 15. If we if we hope in Christ simply for this life, our hope is in vain. Our faith is in vain. If all we have is what we have here and now, then give it up. Give it up and and go out and eat, drink, and be merry. But what Paul is saying in First Corinthians 15 is this is just a tiny, tiny taster. Of what we have to come. This isn't even a taste to her, this is just a shadow of what is to come. Set your heart on things above. He'll write in Colossians, set your mind on things above, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep looking to where you are headed and don't look down because as soon as you look down your mind takes you back into the mud and the mire and the pollution and the corruption and, and drags you down to forget who you are in Christ Jesus. You are a glorious transformed child of God and you forever will be. And he's writing these things to Corinthian believers. That's the most amazing thing. To Corinthian believers who are struggling and disputing and arguing and disagreeing and full of sin and wanting the greater gifts and and probably speaking a lot of gobbledygook a lot of the time and passing it off as tongues. And all of this, he's writing to this group of people. So, don't you think that's wonderful <laughs> that he would write this to them? God would write this to them? <sighs> and, to us. and to us. Well, yeah, and to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Back to that. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord God is at work on this planet. He is at work bringing many sons to glory. He is bringing many people into the reality of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is doing that through Juliet and through Barbara and through Jill and through Sue and through Anne and through Rosie and everybody in this room. God is working through you Amen. to bring glory. And, and we have to train our minds to think about that. We have to train our minds. So Paul is going to finish this wonderful chapter in 15 with this, therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore, because of all I've just said, you know, be steadfast, immovable. Now, I know how hard that is because love is like this, you know, and it's hard to be steadfast. It's a battle, it's a fight. We are in a fight for our minds because the enemy comes in and the, and the world comes in and, and it doesn't sound like the enemy. It sounds like our husband or our wife or our friend or our brother. It sounds like someone who loves us and it comes in with lies and deception and it starts to steal the joy and steal the truth from us so we have to do battle with it. We have to do battle with it. You have to fight. And the way we fight is by coming together in fellowship through the word. That is the way we fight. And anything that keeps you from fellowship in the word is of the enemy of your soul. That is absolutely categoric. If you are not in fellowship through the word, in the word, then you are being deceived. You are being deceived and you are being robbed of your strength. And really, you know, I don't mean just us here. It doesn't matter where it is, but it matters that you have fellowship in the word. It matters. And it matters that you get together with other believers who love God, who love his word, and who are going to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We have to be doing that, not just because of God and what he wants us to do, not because we're trying to earn brownie points because we can't earn any points. Um, at the end, I was saying to Rosie yesterday. You know, sometimes you, you think, Lord, I mean, I've just given you my whole life. I'm always doing this and doing that, and I don't get drunk anymore, and I don't do this. Not that you did, but you know, I don't do those things. And I'm, I've given you every day of my life, and I've done nothing but work for you in the community or, with that. And and what God is going to say is, Wow, weren't you blessed? Weren't you blessed to be able to be a part of my work? On yes. the planet, yes. We, yes, we just it's because we just we get it the wrong way round. We're always talking about what we give to God and how much and how tired we are and oh my goodness, I'm always giving out and I'm always doing this and I'm always doing that. And really, God's I don't know if He's saying this, but I'm saying this for God. I'm saying yeah, but but look at the blessing of that. Look at the joy of that. Look at the greatness of that, that the God who created everything would use you and I in his work. How that wonderful. Is. It is. Yeah. It's so amazing. So, but that's a, that involves a, a change of perspective. Yeah. It involves us changing our thoughts and, and saying, "Wow, well, yeah, I'm exhausted, yeah. but oh, thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah.
2: When I say is that preparing yourself, I mean from the Revelation verses where it says uh, the
3: bride is preparing herself.
2: Is, is the, are these things that we are doing that we know about, the privilege, of the, are they part of the I church?
0: think so, because I think it says, straight, the, the bride has made herself ready. Yeah. And then it says immediately after, it was given to her to clothe herself in these uh, fi- these uh, robes. So, so it's like, this is what God's given us yeah. to enable us to come out in right. this fine linen and bright white. and and it's j- But it's just that constant renewal of our minds. Go ahead, Anne. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but it's a wonderful picture. Yeah, it is. So it's this idea that you know we have to be together. We have to be doing that, and and we've talked so much over these last thirteen weeks about this uh, fellowship that we have together through the word. And actually, strangely, you know, I did some videos at Christmas time, and uh, and you know they were. I, I didn't expect to be doing John thirteen at Christmas you know it's just before Jesus goes to his crucifixion so it's like you know, what, that, what's that got to do with Christmas really but it was all about the new humanity the new community the new family that we are in and the fact that Jesus says all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another loving one another is coming together together like this and being in the word and, and when you can't pray for yourself I pray for you when I can't manage to do things, you manage it for me. I mean, think about it. I'm just looking at Keith now, so I'm going to say Keith and Christine, they're going through a difficult time. Well, Rosie and Brian with their daughter too. They're going through difficult, difficult, difficult times with their family, with their children. Is there anything worse, really, than your children going through some really you know, difficult thing like this? They can't always pray for themselves they can't always get themselves into like getting into the Word. So what we have to do, because we love them, is we have to pray for them. And we have to say, okay... This morning, Lord, you've brought Rosie and Brian or Keith and Christine into my mind. So I'm assuming that they need me to pray for them. And I'm going to pray for them because you've put me in fellowship with them. Because I know their circumstances. And therefore, I'm going to lift them up before your throne of grace. And you can't do that if you don't regularly meet with people. Because you don't know what's going on in their life. And that's what Jesus said. That's how people will know you're my disciples when you love one another, when you love other believers. And really there's nothing different in First Corinthians. It's exactly the same. Paul made the centerpiece of this letter, the resurrection life, but just before it, he talked about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant. It is not self-seeking. Love does this because love is the outworking of your belief that this life is just a passing through life, that I am headed to glory. And on the way there, I'm going to take as many people as I can. I'm going to strengthen you and you're going to strengthen me so that together we can grab people by the hands. Jude will talk about it. Snatching them out of the fire that is already raging. Mm -hmm. It's just like, don't you think that? You just look at this word and you think, wow, that's like this and this, this and this and this and this. Everywhere in the New Testament, everywhere in the whole Bible, it says the same thing. The same thing. Do not forsake meeting together, especially as the days get more difficult do not forsake that. Why? Why do we need to meet together when we've got the word and we've got God? Why? Because it's through each other that God strengthens us. And it's this out with this wonderful privilege as answers of going out and working for the Lord and being involved in his work that will fill you with joy. You just can't imagine the joy of it. And, and, And that's God's gift to you. It's his gift to you. So, um, uh, First Corinthians sixteen. Finally, you're saying. Finally, she gets there. Finally. <laughs> um. 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every... So do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me." Paul now turns to the practical outworking of this love that we have for one another. Based on the resurrection, based on the fact that we're going to be eternity together, he's going to talk about how that works in practice. And they'd asked him a question about it in 1 Corinthians 7, if you look back just briefly. Um, Now concerning the things about which you wrote... So he's still in this section. So they've obviously written to him asking him about money and about collecting and about giving. And he's now going to finish his letter with the giving. The Corinthians had probably heard about the collection that the Galatian churches had made. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you do also. Paul never uses the word tithe in his letters. Tithing is not a New Testament principle. Everything you own belongs to God. You don't own anything. It's all God's. That is the way of the New Testament. That's how the New Testament looks at everything. Everything you have was given to you. God will always provide all your needs. He will always give you what you need. Therefore, everything you have is his. Now, to think like that it takes a huge change of mind. Go ahead.
5: Can I just ask, mm. Jacob, with his ladder, when he saw the angels coming up the down, mm-hmm. and he says at the end, I think it's, I don't know it's 16, I can't remember the reference, but he says at the end, because of what God has do, done for him, he will give 10% of what he owns. Mm. And I I queried this um, and um, I was told by the minister that we have to give ten percent of what we mm-hmm. what we earn. Mm-hmm. Is that right?
0: No. You don't have to give anything at all. You don't have to do anything.
5: But, but is it isn't it better to i I don't know if it's better to give to the church or give to the poor. Mm. That's that's where I have some conflict. Mm. The church is talking about
0: getting their roof done. Mm.
5: But <laughs> then I think the poor yeah. needs help as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, you're not giving anything to anybody. You're actually using what God's given you. So that's first thing. You're using and stewarding what God has given to you. Genesis. Genesis. I know it's Genesis. I was trying to find it. but It's probably about 27, 26, 27, Genesis. Um, So you're stewarding what, what God's given to you. But actually, when you come to Christ, you realize you died. Oh, I died. And I've been born again. And I'm now a new creation in Christ Jesus. So actually, everything you own, everything you are, everything is God's. Yes. It's from that viewpoint that you start to think, well, wow, I earn quite a lot of money. And lots of people don't earn a lot of money. Mm. So in my fellowship, let's get together and figure out what can we do with the overflow of mm. supply we have? Mm. And who can we help? And let's spend some time praying and asking the Lord, where would you like us to, mm. to give? Um, I think the New Testament is clear that one of the big reasons to give is to help believers who do not have enough. Mm-hmm. It's the concept of family. You know, we have a, a saying, don't we, charity begins at home? That's where that comes from. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's um, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another if you love one another disciples. So now, if we are in a situation where the church, the entire church has enough, then you're going to start to think, okay, but we're to be out making disciples as well. It's not one thing or the other thing. So now everyone is able to make disciples because they're not worried about how they're going to pay their rent and what they're going to feed their children because you've just taken care of that for them. So now they're able to fulfill their commission and the church grows. Um, I, I, didn't, I don't know that I answered your question. Jacob is Old Testament, remember? They had the concept of tithing because it was law. Mm-hmm. It was all the law. So they, they were told, this is what you do to be righteous. You do this, 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 and this. When you come to the New Testament, what the message is, you, no matter what you do, you can't be righteous. <laughs> so Christ was righteous for you. Now in him... You give everything, you know, I mean, as the Lord leads you, you you do whatever the Lord leads. But um, you don't have to give anything. And you definitely don't have to give 10%. And, you know, maybe the Lord will ask you for 50%. 100%. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. She gave a couple of mites because she gave everything she had. Mm, mm. Um, Okay, so... Uh, he never uses the word tithe at all, and, um, uh, even though he talked more about giving than any other New Testament writer, so that should tell you something. Um, what does he say about giving here in these verses, chapter 16? Yeah, put something aside, as you are able, he says, as you are able, and uh, when would that be done? On the first day of every week. What was the, what was the day that they, traditionally the church came together? On the first day of every week. When's the first day of every week? Sunday. Sunday is the, generally the first day of every week. Uh, called in the New Testament, the Lord's Day. On the Lord's Day, John says in Revelation, I was in the Spirit. On the Lord's Day, it's Sunday, the day after the traditional Sabbath of the Jews. And so um, on the Lord's Day, when you come together, you uh, give. You give. Um, Would everybody give the same amount? No. No? What would decide how much you gave? The Lord telling you. Yeah, the Lord. But in really practical ways. Exactly. It would depend on what you what you had. So those who had been uh, blessed with more income would give more, and those who didn't would give less. Now think about who he's writing to. Who's the church in Corinth? What's it, who's it made up of? Mostly, who's it made up of? There will be Jews there and Gentiles, but... Greeks and Gentiles is synonymous, so... um, Slaves. Slaves. And well-off people. There were slaves coming into the church. That's why there's so much problem with the marriage and everything else. That's why they're having such difficulty because it, this Corinth is a multicultural city and people are coming into the church in, in droves. They're, they're, they're coming to salvation. And now the, the big problem is how do we manage all these types of people? How do they love one another? How do they fit together? And and you see they're not doing well. They're having lots of disputes and disagreements. But uh, And he says it when you come to together for the last supper some of you get drunk you know because the wealthy come with all their wine and all their food and they start eating before the slaves even get off work and then the slaves get there and then they haven't got much and they're just so it's this concept of we're all brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus we belong to one another we belong to one another it matters to me if you don't have enough to eat on your table it matters it matters that, you know, that I've been blessed with material wealth, therefore I should be more able to give and more willing to give. Um, now think about, think about that, that concept. You know, we don't live in a world like that. We, especially in the West, non-believers do not want to give up what they have. They don't. And especially if they worked hard to get it. Especially then, yeah. wow, I've worked my socks off to get this. What do you mean I should be giving this away? No fear. I've worked really hard. And the concept of that is, goes really deep. I haven't had a holiday. I had to work my way through. Up. I, I couldn't take a week off and go anywhere nice. So now i am got a bit of money. That's what I'm going to do. So it's, it's, this is the opposite of, of the world's way. So whatever you're thinking about money is and your, your possessions and everything else, you can test yourself. <laughs> Do you think like the world thinks? If you think like the world thinks, you're probably on the wrong track. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, somebody read verse 5 to verse 12 of 1 Corinthians uh, 16, of chapter 16, please. Verse 5 to
3: verse
5: 12. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia for I am passing through Macedonia and it will be that and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may um, send me on my journey wherever I go for I do not wish to see you now on the way but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits But but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Is that where am I going? Yes, yes, yes.
0: Thank you. And all the way to, sorry, all the way to um, verse 12, please. Mm.
5: Um, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he, he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Therefore let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time.
0: Thank you. It's kind of strange, actually, because he sort of touches on the giving, and then he moves to this subject, and you feel like, well, what's happened here? Um, In his second letter to Corinthians, I think Jill mentioned it, um, he talks about God loves a cheerful giver, so he does expand on it a little bit more. Was it Sheila? Yes, he does expand on it a little bit more. But actually, this is in his flow of thought, because giving is just an extension of his ministry in the Lord. It's just an extension of his life that he's given for Jesus. If um, somebody could read Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 and 16. Ephesians five, 15 and 16.
5: Be very careful then, how you <coughs> live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity the
0: days are evil. Thank you. So, be very careful how you live, making the most of every opportunity. What did um, we just read in 1 Corinthians? But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul is aware of the uh, the days that are evil and the fact that he has been given opportunity to live for Christ, to speak for Christ, to be to be for Christ. Philippians, somebody read Philippians uh, chapter 3 verse 7 to verse 16 please. 7 to 16.
2: But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss I see. More than that and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead.
0: Carry on, Barbara, to um, verse 16, please. Not that I
2: have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on, so that I may lay hold on that for which I was laid hold of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having made hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I'm reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained.
0: Thank you. Can you see what I mean? Paul's whole life and his call to us, or God's call to us through Paul, is everything belongs to God. Everything is about ministry. Everything is about the gift of ministry that God has given you. He has given you the great blessing of living for his glory and and, and involving you in his work. So everything, everything that comes to you, the money that you have, the possessions you have, the the situation in which you work, the the neighbors you have, the uh, church you go to, everything is an opportunity. A wide door is opened for effective service. And that's what Paul saying everything is an opportunity from the lord for you to live for him and as you live for him it will give you great joy i do want to say actually uh, juliet that this minister who said to you about tithing i don't know where it came from in his mind and maybe he has a lot of people in his church who don't give anything so i don't want to say that's wrong per se but uh yeah. So I'm, I, I, it's not wrong to talk about giving money and to give people a way to perhaps understand how to begin. So what I'm saying is, tithing is an Old Testament practice because it means ten percent. New Testament, everything belongs to God. But, but sometimes ministers have a really hard job in um, make, in getting people to understand <laughs> that they've even got to give five p. You know. So so yeah so he may, he may be one of those ministers who's having a difficult job with that. So. But what you see from Paul is, as I say, everything about his life. If, uh, I'll, I'll just read it. But if you write down Acts 20, verse 24, But I do not consider my life, this is Paul speaking, of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. That was Paul's signature verse. I do not consider my life of any account. Now, you know, probably you're a long way from that. I'm a long way from that. But that's where Paul, that's where God is calling us. And if you're in this type of study, that's where God is calling you. Yeah, go ahead, Linda. Um, but Philippians verse 13, mm. uh, when it talks
1: about um, forgetting what lies yeah.
0: Yeah. Something
1: we've all
3: got
0: to yeah. junk our Exactly. Junk your luggage and press on, mm-hmm. definitely. And even what lies behind yesterday or this morning, do you know what I mean? It's, it's this understanding, you know, let's take First Corinthians 15, we are headed for glory. So this morning might not have been very glorious, but we're going to forget what lies behind and press on. Um, and and we see the same thing the same thing I, I may finish my course in the ministry which i receive from the lord jesus now just flip to 1st corinthians chapter 12 and remember those verses now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit that's verse 4 and there are varieties of ministries And the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all people. So Paul's saying, I received my ministry from the Lord Jesus. You may not receive yours in exactly the same way. I met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he made me blind. And, you know, so yours might not have come in such a dramatic fashion, but you have a ministry from the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit is gifting you to be able to do what God is calling you and God is going to bring the results but our job is to see the opportunity (coughs) to see the opportunity in every on every street corner and every person you meet and everything you do that is a wide door of effective service You know, I think I've said before, you know, I used to pray, for years I prayed, Lord, open doors, please open doors, you know, open a door that I can go and speak your word, open the door that I can teach, open the door. Until in the end, poor God, he must have been so fed up with that same prayer. He just said to me, I've opened the door, walk through it. I've opened the door, walk through it. And that's what this is. You've got effective service everywhere you look. Everywhere you look, there's a place for you to live for Christ or speak of Christ or both. Everywhere. That is your ministry. And if God wants to specifically put you in, a tip, in what we might typically call a ministry, he will. But until then, every person you meet and everything you do is your effective um, ministry. Um, you know, and so if
5: you're not seeing it like that, what
0: are you doing? Well, the, yeah, but the thing is we don't see it like that. And that's why I said in the beginning, it's a battle. It's a battle. <laughs> you know, Paul will say, not that I've already attained it, mm-hmm. but I press on. It's a battle to see our lives that way because we're assailed with all sorts of things and difficulties and, and memories from the past and things we didn't do and things we should have and stuff we're still doing that we know we shouldn't. And it's, We're just assailed with it. <laughs> so it's a real fight but we have to fight and we have to help each other fight because the reality is no matter who you look at in this room and no matter how put together they are, they have to fight too. We all have to fight because the enemy of our soul is continually trying to draw us away from the truth so that's a battle and sometimes you do well with that battle and sometimes you don't sometimes you feel like you've been steamrolled <laughs> but the nonetheless the new day comes pick yourself up, forget what lies behind and press on yes. Yes, it's good for
3: your mental state as well
5: definitely,
0: it? oh definitely and I think actually that's where it all starts Maureen it starts here, there's the battle you know, we, yes. and, and the only way to fight that is with the one, well, I think God's given us two weapons. One is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and the other is prayer. Yes. And yes. we have to be doing those constantly. Yes. Otherwise, we'll lose the battle. Because I find giving glory to God,
5: I find that helpful.
0: Yes, God, praising. A, mm. a challenging yeah. time, mm. and I just walk my hair. So yeah. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. You're praising the Lord. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, in that praising, you're reminding yourself of who God is okay. and the fact that he's here. And also, it says, God inhabits the praises of his people. Yeah. So as you're doing that, it's almost like you're bringing God. You can't bring God's presence any closer because he's here. But, you know, you're, you're surrounding yourself yeah. in, the, in the air of God, which is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's seeing his glory everywhere. Yes. 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 Yeah, it's opening your eyes to it. Yes. Yeah, yeah it is helpful. Yeah. Thanks, Juliet. Ah, thank Juliet. you. Yeah, thank you. That's thank you, Maureen. Yeah, pray, pray on, pray on. Just <laughs> keep going. Um, um, yeah, go ahead.
6: Yeah, we are the bride of Christ, mm. and it mm. says that we are in verse eight of Revelation 19 that we were reading. It says that uh, uh, that this is fine linen.
0: Fine, linen, yes. Fine yes.
6: and, and this is the righteousness of the saints. Yeah. So we actually are ensigns uh, of the kingly and priestly dignity which Christ has bestowed upon us. Yeah. yeah. Wherever we go, wherever we do, Ambassador. they are ambassadors for Christ. For Christ. Yeah. But
0: holding that thought, Mike, that's the yes. difficulty, isn't yes. it? But, and we, only, we can only even have that thought if we first read that truth. Mm. Mm. That's the thing. And, and you're reminding us and, and we're reminding each other of that truth. It truth. is. Yeah. It is. It's glorious. Um, so Paul has decided he's not going to waste his life on anything else and he finds his joy. He deliberately looks for his joy in doing what God has given him to do. Um, and we see that in our own lives. As I say, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, um, he, he, we see it in his instructions about giving and, and about opportunities for ministry. His entire life was dependent on God's leading. And, you know, again, that's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. Um, Paul was at Ephesus when he wrote this letter. And his plan was to travel to Macedonia, he says that, and winter at Corinth and then go on to Jerusalem with the collection. And from November to February, apparently it was impossible to travel by ship, so it would have been convenient for Paul to stay in Corinth. Um, And so there were some problems that he was writing ahead to them to uh, sort out. And he promised to come, actually. Look at chapter 11, verse 34. Promised to come. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will uh, not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. So he had this plan that he was going to go to Corinth. And actually, that's what it would, I'll just finish in a couple of minutes, but we'll talk about it after the break. That's what really caught me about this last chapter of Ephesians, of Corinthians. Paul had made plans. But he had to change them several times. This is a man living for God, understanding the opportunity, not keeping anything for himself, pressing on all the time. And he's making these plans, and he's going to serve God, and he's going to go there and do this, and he's going to sort out this church in Corinth because, oh my goodness, Lord, they need me to go there. And God continually changes his plans. What can I learn from that? What can I learn from that? That I may be serving the Lord. I may be doing exactly what God has gifted me to do. I may be, you know, doing everything that the Lord wants me to do. And God might still change his plans. Do you see what I mean? So um, keep that in your head and have a cup of coffee. And then we'll come back in 10 minutes, no longer than 10 minutes, and um, start again. Paul's life was wherever God leads, I will go, but he makes plans. He makes plans. And often, those plans have to be changed. Now, that's really uh, important, I think, for us to understand, because sometimes we think if something doesn't happen the way we expected it to happen, then we must have done something wrong, or we were looking for the wrong thing, or we went the wrong way, or we didn't listen to God, or we should have prayed more, or we didn't, you know on and on and on it goes but very often things don't happen the way we expect them to happen or the way we plan them to happen because God has a bigger picture and he is doing something yes. more and and in a different way so um to be mindful of that um and not to be constantly bringing blame onto yourself but that's what we do but Ordains the steps. Yeah. It's Proverbs Proverbs somewhere. It's Proverbs, Proverbs, but I can't remember where around, yeah. So I'm gonna read from uh Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians, the second letter that he writes, or the one that we call the second letter, it might be the third one that he wrote, but um Second Corinthians chapter one verse fifteen. In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing, that is, to pass your way into into Macedonia, and again from Macedonia to come to you and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh so that with me there will be yes, yes and no, no at the same time? But... 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, yeah. Um, thank you. Verse 18 But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is yes in him. For as many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. But I call God as witness to my soul that to spare you I did not come again to Corinth not that we lord it over your faith, but our workers with you for your joy. In your faith, you are standing firm. So Paul is writing to them to say that he had said he was coming and he intended to come, but then God basically changed his mind. But that his promises are not yes and no. When Paul speaks, he's intending to do what he believes God is calling him to do. But he's open to the possibility that God may have a slightly different plan and that he might do something differently. And as I say, that's a challenge to us. What can you learn from that?
5: You, must trust anyone
0: when we pray to trust. you have to trust, yeah, you have to trust. Be
5: ready
2: to be direction. Be
0: ready to change direction. What else? Yeah, holding... Yeah. See things through the perspective. Not everything happens the way we think it will. No.
3: We mm-hmm. just have to say oh, Lord, I trust
0: you Yes.
6: Yeah. And pick ourselves up, dust ourselves down. And start in. all yeah. over
0: again, forgetting. forgetting what lies behind and pressing yeah. on. But the thing that I really want to get to is this is how do you determine what you're going to do or where you're gonna go or how you're gonna do it? What do we how do we determine that? Through prayer, through prayer yeah. What else? continue listening to god but you know i have to say that i know a lot of people who continually listen to god and they think that everything they hear or everything they speak is definitely from god it's not i mean just let's face it you don't have a hotline to god in terms of you not everything in your mind is not necessarily from god that's the thing so now how do we how do we figure it out we pray we ask the lord This is what I want to do, Lord. I want to live for your glory. I want to do what you want me to do. I'm going to pray and ask you to do that. I'm going to read your word. What else must we do? Wait on him. How long? Yeah, so we wait for a bit and trust in him.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: Exactly. You have to start employing your mind. Christianity is not a mindless faith. That is a lie from the enemy. You have to start using the mind that God has given you. He says in uh, Colossians, we have the mind of Christ. We now, are a sound mind. yes, we are a sound mind. So we have to employ our mind to to come to the Lord and say, "Okay, I'm praying, Lord. I want your direction. I don't want to go wrong. I don't want to do anything wrong. I want to walk in your will. Read His Word. Wait on the Lord. All those things, and then take a step. step and
4: ask him to
0: yeah, if it's not right, close the door. Now, he m- you might walk along that road for a long time and then he might close the door and send you off somewhere else. Does that mean that you walked along for a long time and he just didn't bother to tell you because he thought, oh, well, she's all right, let her go down there? No. There you go. That's it. Everything you encountered on that road was an opportunity for service.
6: Because all is
0: of God. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessary, even though your plans change, you know, 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. God doesn't work in degrees. No, the whole thing was his plan. Yeah. So you were going this way and you thought that was the way God was taking you and you followed what you thought you should do and you, and you did everything that you thought he was asking you to do and he probably was. Mm-hmm. But then in the end it ended up like over here and you think, well, what was that all about?
5: Can I, comfort, can I just give you
6: an example of that, if I may, quickly. Um, I I was a local preacher for, for 20 years or so in another circuit. I went to a new circuit. I volunteered as a local preacher. And I took one or two services and had some lovely times with people. And then it came back from the local preacher's meeting that I was too old to retrain. Oh.
2: Oh. You so
4: know, that's walking down that path, is yeah. it? Yeah. Following yeah. that path. And there, suddenly, oh, that's it. Nope. Yeah. Right. I think it was a <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it
6: a <laughs> Yes, but I mean, yeah. it's quite a shock to me. Yeah. yeah. Dush yourself down and pick yourself yeah. up and start
0: Yeah. The, over again? Thing, yeah. the, the thing is, you see, you, you, wh- wh- what's our basic? What is the foundation on which we stand and walk and move and everything else? But what, where is the basis? Yeah. The basis is my life is yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can take me wherever you want at whatever time you want. You can take me here or there or whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't actually care if this works in this ministry or in that ministry or over there because it's all about you. Mm. It's not about me. It's yeah. when it becomes about me. Now I don't want my plans changed so much. Yeah. Now it's really crucially important that I've, this is finished because how could it be God if it doesn't end up where I thought it was going to end well, up? Can it work without me? Exactly.
4: Yeah.
0: And it's so, you know. And God is at work through it all. I mean, if ever this ministry has had that exact thing happen, we thought we were going to a bigger place. It was almost totally assured. I thought we were almost in the door. And suddenly it went. And you've been making sort of plans. Plans. I had this plan and that plan. I was going to do this and I was going to do that. It was amazing and we could go here. And we, you know, wow, wow. It was going to be amazing, Lord. And it would have been It would have been amazing, and God would have been glorified. But I didn't know the rest of the plan. I still don't know the rest of the plan. So it's like, okay, what do I make of all of this? All of this uncertainty, all of this unsettledness, all of this, how do I continue so, you answer, that's a question. How do I continue? You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. But he may not tell you when the straight path takes you around a corner. See what I mean? So, how do I continue then? Knowing all of this, how do I continue? I
5: trust.
0: By trust. But what must I trust, actually, Rosemary? Because I find with a lot of this stuff, the immediate thought in my mind is, I got it wrong. Oh, I got it wrong. Oh, Lord, I thought I heard you, but did I not hear you right? I got it wrong.
4: That's natural. Yes, but so what is the...
0: 20, it says, for as many as promises of God in him, they are Yes, yeah. So, okay, so what? take that into the situation then. Into you thought you were going one way, you thought you, you know, you prayed, you did everything you thought, and you, you just moved forward, and then suddenly it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. What do you make of that? Is
5: it to the test how how abandoned you are to, to God that you're prepared to, you know, show what you feel is right? Yeah, to go, I think
0: that would be involved in it, Anne, but what's the bottom line underneath?
5: What is. <laughs> but why
0: I know, yeah, I know. But but oh, but yes, that's true, Maureen, that's true. God has the
4: very best for you, so no matter whether it has there you go, you. Yes.
0: yes, there you go. The that's itself. it. What yes. you're trusting is that God will finish in you what he began. Yeah, yeah. And that everything he does is his work to bring about your transformation to be more like Christ. So now, all the plans that you have... They're in this open hands. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I think this is the right thing, Lord, and I think you're opening this door, and I'm going to step through it. And if it's not, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's like you say, yeah. trust in the Lord and your yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. It's this idea that we use our minds. We use our minds. You've been given a mind. You're supposed to use it. And you're supposed to pray, and you're supposed to read the word, and you're supposed to get together and and talk to one another and get some counsel from other people and and see what, you know, just use everything God's put at your disposal. And then you're to walk through the door that looks like it's opened. And you're to trust that that door might be out, you know, might be going over there. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Exactly. Um, Exactly.
6: And the scriptures say that we are the crown jewels. So in this study, we're polishing the crown jewels. Yes, exactly. And he didn't want them polished over there. He, <laughs> he wanted them polished, the right yeah. polished <laughs> here. Exactly.
0: <laughs> what does he know, really? Honestly. The hardest thing you can say is that I will be done. Yes. Nevertheless, yeah, that's not that's that's my that's will, that's but yours be done. That's but that's that. the second thing I think we have to know is also, not every plan you make is in the will of God. That's the the truth. We think, we pray, we read, we counsel together, we do all of the right things, and we come up with a decision that's not in his will. Mm. Mm. That that isn't a plan that he has for you. And I think we have to face facts. That can happen because there's a lot of stuff going on. We're still in this, you know, changing, transforming work. So there's a lot of things that we'll do wrong. I don't mean wrong sin, but I mean, you know, we'll start to go the wrong way. But what will happen then? What must we understand then? God is a God of the impossible. And he will... Exactly, he'll cause all things to work together for good and he will also manoeuvre us and intervene and change what we're doing if we are out of the will of God and we wanted to be in the will of God. And at
5: the same time, we're using that experience...
0: Exactly, to work for us. Exactly, yeah. So... uh, when you're going to make a plan, then, what are you going to do? Uh, all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all, of it. <laughs> all of it.
0: Yeah. Trust also in him and he will do it. Um, that's Psalm 37, yeah. Um, yes. But uh, there's two extremes, knowing all of this, that we've got to avoid. What are the two extremes we've got to avoid? Well, I think there's... One extreme is to be so frightened you don't do anything. Oh, I'm not sure I'm going to get it right, so I just, I'm just going to stay here, Lord. There's one, that's one extreme. And the other extreme, just the opposite of that, rushing ahead without doing any of the aforementioned and just thinking, this must be right. I'm sure I've heard a word from the Lord at 2 a.m. It was definitely him. I'm going to do this. So those are the two extremes to be avoided. Somewhere in the middle is where we live our life. It's where we live our life yes 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 Yes. and what would be the most important thing for you individually then in all of this decision making and what's the most important thing it's already been said Yeah. yeah nevertheless not my will but yours be done Can we really get ourselves to the place where we can say, honestly and as clearly as you're able, because you don't know the depth of your own heart, but as clearly and as honestly as you are able, I want your will, not mine.
5: That
0: is costly. Oh, it is. It is. It is. It is. is. And that involves a battle. Christ prayed three times, take this cup from me. If he, the Son of God, had to do battle with that decision, can you imagine how we will have to? We, it's a battle because you know, not just fighting your wanting your own way, because that may already have died a little bit along the way, but you're also fighting your wanting to please and wanting to just make God smile and 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 battling the idea that. I've made mistakes and, and so God won't love me if I make another one. And it's, so there's all sorts of deception in there messing up yeah. um, and it's that battling. It's really being able to step out in perfect freedom and trust that God is for you. He's for you.
6: Can I just mention that in mm. the in the Methodist annual sort of dedication service for all the members, it says in there either to be used or to be laid aside. That, for the Methodist God. Covenant mm. there is just one. That is really quite mm. something to mm. agree all to be yes, laid faith. aside mm. for the glory of God. Mm. They do nothing. Sometimes lonely well, set It's apart, difficult, right? very difficult to after that mm. that prayer. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's where we are with Paul, he, um, and his, he sees everything as a door of effective service. He, he wants to do the will of God, and that's where, he's, uh, where he ended chapter 15, uh, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. I'm thinking about that laid aside, Mike, because it sounds wonderful, but I'm not sure it's scriptural. Uh, sorry about that, because I know it's the Methodists, and yeah. oh my gosh, who <laughs> yes, am I, who right am I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, so. If, if, um, if they don't see it in the terms of doing nothing, mm. but stepping aside to be quiet with the
2: Lord. Oh, right. then that's different, yeah, oh, the yeah, yeah, the oh. setup yeah.
0: Mm. that's activity. different, okay. yeah.
2: I've not read
0: that in the Bible, though. no, <laughs> no, no. No, that but you do scary. have time. It does scary. talk about you know um, the fact that we uh, Jesus, for example, went off to be with the Father and pray. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's yeah. that concept. Yeah, I but I wouldn't call that being laid aside. I suppose that's what I'm saying. That's not mm-hmm. being laid aside because someone you know God's laying you aside. It's you um, still being actively involved in the work of God in your life, um, but not in the way you've perhaps always been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that's what they mean, I assume. Yeah.
6: Won't
0: well, check on that no 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 that no that's not wrong no what i'm saying is like for me you know i th- i can't imagine anything like doing anything other than what i do but you know god may have totally other plans and so me doing something totally other will involve me being going along with those plans
4: mm-hmm. i think of something like johnny erickson yes
0: exactly mm-hmm.
4: in a sense it is a
1: period where she yeah
0: yeah but had she been laid aside I suppose that's what I mean she might have felt laid aside and I get that totally but was she laid aside see that's what I mean so I get it that you feel laid aside but but she wasn't laid aside she was being built up and built up and built up and built up to be able to have this amazing ministry um and to affect many people so you know that I suppose that's where I was with it Anyway, so um, Paul talks about the um, effective door of service. He's talked about giving. He's talked about witnessing. um, And each of them, he he sort of talks of in the same way. Everything is about the Lord. And so um, that's what he wants to do. And that really just brings me, I suppose, to next week and the start of making disciples, which is, I forgot the word for a long time, but I've now remembered it. It's intentional evangelism and deliberate discipleship. So, um, yeah, that was the two phrases. I forgot deliberate. I kept saying intentional evangelism, intentional discipleship. But, but so next week, on Tuesday, we start a course called Making Disciples. And it is about um, inten- or deliberately discipling people making it an understanding that that is part of the commission that we have been left with. And intentional evangelism, deliberately speaking to people, speaking the gospel, deliberately speaking the gospel. Um, And that's that's what we're going to start to do. So next Tuesday, we'll start the Making Disciples course. Uh, On Wednesday morning and possibly Wednesday evening, we're going to run two sessions, one for the morning group and one for the evening group. It just depends on who says in the evening they want to come Um, to talk about how and ways of intentionally evangelising and the reason for it. Uh, Maureen and Jill have said that they would help um, just to talk about some things that they've been doing. Um, but it's really a time I, I want people to come together and, okay, okay, I've done this in the past and it was really good or it worked or, you know, whatever. But to, to have this understanding that we are definitely, we know that we are to be evangelizing, which means we are to be speaking the gospel. You know, yes, we're to live. Of course we're to live the gospel. But in a way, that's much easier. We are to speak the gospel. It is a spoken gospel. It is the, it in, the, it's in the words of the gospel that people get saved. Mm-hmm. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's yeah. that idea that we are not ashamed to speak out the truth about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's really... Um, so it's I've been... Really finding a
5: way to approach it similarly. Yes, without fear.
6: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gossip the
5: gospel.
0: Mm. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
0: Just yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But also to understand, you see, this comes not on its own, not separately. It's not a separate thing. It comes off the back of 1 Corinthians, where we can see what it is that people are missing mm-hmm. if they don't believe in the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And where we hear Paul say, and uh, you know, that this is all about the Lord. It's, am I life? It's all about God. It's all about making Jesus known, mm-hmm. so it's it's off the back of that. It's not doesn't sort of stand on its own. It's just it's a continuation, really. I think so. Mm-hmm. If you can come, please come. Yeah, um, that's next Wednesday. yeah, next Wednesday. Well, Tuesday is the regular class, and we'll be moving on to a new course, yeah. making disciples. But next Wednesday is this intentional evangelism, and um, what 10:30, uh, 10:30 in the morning, Wednesday evening, seven. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm going to stay over obviously to do Wednesday morning. I'd rather not stay right until the evening and have Maureen and Jill pitch out on Wednesday evening if they even can, and then find nobody comes. So that's why I'm saying for the evening, Um, it's important to know. (laughs) So 10:30 to when? Sorry, 12ish. Um, 7 p.m.
6: till Wednesday yeah. in states. States. <coughs> uh, of the evening. Right. Yeah, something like us.
0: that. I mean, you know, this is the reason... First of all, the reason that we moved into this building was so that we had a place from which to send out mm. the truth and to, 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 so that this place would be known as a place where the truth, God's truth, is shared, is talked about, studied shared and that's why we wanted to move and and I still want to move if God brings us a bigger place that's I do because I want a place that's like a light shining on a hill I do I want that and there's nothing wrong with that but obviously at the moment God's not providing that so what I'm thinking is okay now we have to really see okay well what can we do from here and that's what we can do from here we can do it It doesn't depend on a building so um yeah, so, that's, so we moved here two and a half years ago thinking that, um, yeah, we, you know, we had too many people for our, uh, and we wanted to, sorry, we wanted to move on from here because we had too many people for conferences and, and regular classes were getting busy and then you all went on holiday and didn't come back and so, you know, you start to think, oh Lord, really, did I get that wrong then? So, but it's all about, you know, just what are we here for? What are you here for? That's a question. What are you here for? And to be built up, right, Rosemary? And to
6: fellowship.
0: There you go. That's what you're here for. And God knows that, so he's going to give you that. He's going to do that in you. And as we start to grow and and help each other and and be together, because we all feel like you, Rosemary. You think you're alone, but you're not. We all feel like you from time to time. We all do. We all have that, you know. And so that's why we're together. So all I'm saying is, okay, let's go now. Let's, let's, you know, what are you here for? You're here to be learning about God and building, being built up. What are you here for on the planet? To talk about Jesus and to live for his glory. That's why you're here. That's the only reason you're still on the planet. So as a ministry that says sanctify them in the truth your word is truth as a ministry that's called desiring truth because we know god desires truth in the innermost being yeah. then the of the heart of the yes absolutely so that's what we're about what um, word deliberate. Deliberate. deliberate thank you for reminding me again i really want to hold on yeah, to it so, so i know we're all busy i know you i know everybody's busy i'm busy everybody is busy life is a choice choose what you want to spend your time on and know that that choice has eternal ramifications no pressure
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it does <laughs> it does i know we'll just get over yourselves it does it has eternal ramifications what you choose to spend your time on now so cross out the open air production exactly just cross it all out <laughs> Okay, whatever happens and wherever we go and whatever we do, this ministry is going to stay in the truth and speak the truth. That's what we're going to do. We're going to think of ways to do it and we're going to do our best to do it in different ways and ways that will attract people, but we are for the gospel. That's what we're for and we will speak the truth and we will help people to speak the truth as much as we are humanly able. And so I I, I really want you to be a part of this. Yes, just I'm, I'm always talking about it, and you must get fed up with listening and looking at the clock. Oh, it's nearly time to go. I can go and have my lunch. Well, it's not. Keep. I want you to be a part of this in a really pr- a, a physical, practical way. I want you to understand what are your gifts in the Spirit? How is God moving through you? And what can you do in this ministry, an what idea. can you do? Sorry to
2: interrupt, but <laughs> ideas, you know, people have an idea of how we can be determined in, in all
0: of these things. Yeah, yeah, but actually, you know, yes, it's, it's good for you. Story. I want your ideas, but if you've got an idea, I want you to do it. I don't want you to say, oh, well, this is a really good idea. Could you do that? Do you know what I mean? I yeah, there, me. here, just do that, would you? And I'll come and enjoy it when I can. That's not what we need. We need people who will say, this is how the Lord works in me. This is what he's called me to do. This is what I can sense that he is starting to do in me. And I want to do that with you in desiring truth. Exactly. Maureen and Jill will, that's what they're doing. That's what we need. And the thing, it won't come unless you know that God will work through you. In the summertime, you know, because we don't want to take the whole five weeks off, so we're going to continue with a, a, a kind of fellowship group type atmosphere, but it will still be in a study. I've just finished the study, actually. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've just written this five-week uh, discussion course, and people have sort of volunteered. <laughs> They've said yes, yes to leading these groups. Anne and Mike are going to do some leading in the evening group, and uh, Angela Thomas, who you know has also said she could help with that, and Sue and Vanessa, who haven't backed out now, I've said their names can't back out, so (laughs) they are going to do something in the morning, and if you want to be a part of that, talk to them about helping out with it, because that's what we need. We need people who will say, you know, I'm, I'm committed to the gospel, not necessarily to desiring truth, although that's the vehicle, but I am committed to God and I'm committed to the truth and I want the gospel to go out. I want to know more about the Lord so that I can share him better. Mm-hmm. Juliet, just share, I'll share a little bit, can I, Juliet? She was, uh, she was at work and uh, suddenly in the break time she was bombarded by these younger people asking her questions about her faith and um, not in necessarily a good way, in a very antagonistic way oh. and um, she you know, she did what we'd all do, we, she tried her best to answer and I, I guess she made some mistakes and for the rest of it she did really well but her overwhelming uh, memory or witness from that is she had peace and she didn't get flustered and she didn't get angry or, or kind of get caught up in herself because God came through for her. He helped her to speak to these people. And, you know, on the face of it, it looks like they didn't any of them want what she was saying, but that doesn't matter because God opened a door of effective service for her there. Now, how could she do that? How could she? How was she able to do that? Because she has chosen to set aside time. I'm going to put you up on a pedestal, only to drag you down later, Juliet. No, but she has chosen to commit her time to studying the Word of God, and to praying, and to giving her life to Him, surrendering to Him. Now, you know, we all we all must do that, and the benefit is the, the promise of God is you will have the peace that passes all understanding in those situations that normally would send you, you know, Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. So, um, join in the summer groups. Please join. Now, I've told you that Vanessa and Sue are going to, you know, lead them in the mornings. If nobody pitches up, they'll take it personally. So, (laughs) (laughs) you have to now start coming. So that they know that you love them and that you care for them and that you can tell them all the things they don't know and that, you, you know, you do. <laughs> so, um, you know, just, just have this idea. Let's try to think about this idea that we really are a family and that we really are going to build each other up so that we can go out. And you have gifts that we need. I mean, that's the bottom line. You do. You do. You have ways that God works through you that this ministry needs, and um, you know. And all the time I battle. I battle in my head with, "Oh, should we even be doing it, Lord?" And you know, it's such a struggle and people are sick and people are falling away and people aren't, you know, should, really, really, Lord, is this where you want me to be? And all the time I have to battle my way out of that and say, no, I'm not having that. I know two things. God wants me to know his word and he wants me to share his word. So that's it. I know those things. Whoever comes it doesn't actually make a lot of difference. So now, but I need you to help me in that. Because if nobody ever comes to anything, you can imagine the thoughts that go round in my head. We need each other. I need you to bring your gift into this ministry. We need you. Rosie and Brian run around like headless chickens half the time. They do so much. I mean, this ministry couldn't exist without them. So... But they can't keep on. They've got, they've got family that have got real problems. They can't physically continue to do everything. So step up. You know? And, and Rosie, she might have been a bit like it a few years ago, but since she's known me, she's got better. No. No. You know, sometimes you look at people who can do things and that they are doing them, and you think they don't need They don't need me. What could I do? What could I add to that? You know, Rosie's doing this, whatever. But that's not true. That's another deception. So please pray about it. Think about it. How can you work in this ministry? How can you work for the Lord here? And what is it about your life that has made you so busy you can't do anything else? What is it in your life that is so precious to you, you will not give up even a part of it to have the time to do something else? Um, Paul finishes here with, um, well, I, I want to say you are indispensable. You are indispensable to the body of Christ. And you are specifically indispensable to this part of the body of Christ. Amen. And we can't carry on and grow without each other. We just can't. So that's the reality. And it, you know, I'm not trying to say that you need to, well, you know what I'm saying. So um, do not allow the enemy to dissuade you or distract you from that truth. You are in- indispensable. You are. Paul finishes in chapter 16. Um, be on the alert, verse 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Um, uh, in terms of um, you know, what you do and why you do it, it's basically stand up. Get up. Get up off the floor. Stand up. Behave like Uh, like men, and that's, you know what he means by that. Behave like women. (laughs) Behave like men. Stand up and be strong and let all that you do be done in love. God told me a long time ago, if you don't love the people you teach, they won't learn anything at all. And that's the truth. And I didn't love the people that I was teaching. I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that I might have to. You know, because as far as I was concerned, I was like the best teacher since, you know, they invented teaching. And so, you know, you were just so blessed to have me teaching you. Not you, actually. It was a long time before I came here. But it's that idea that everything be done in love. God has gifted you so that you can love us. And that he can love us through you. Um, the letter began with grace, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will end with grace. Um, uh, where are we? I'll read the whole thing. Now I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves for ministry. To the saints, so that you also be in subjection to such men and everyone who helps in the work and labors. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Acacius or whoever, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Prisca greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love, be with you all in Christ Jesus. Um, Yeah, his grace... the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. So I suppose finally, as you go through the summer, and as you know, how it, can it possibly be the summer? But it is. We're almost there. Um, think about who you can c- bring along to the summer something. It's called summer something. Mm-hmm. There'll be a little book, and uh, it's just basically dis- you know discussing scriptures in Colossians. Actually, it's based on Colossians. And so um, think about who you can bring. Think about someone who could come to that. It's not a long commitment, five weeks. Bring them along, s- have a cup of coffee and maybe a piece of cake and whatever, and chat and discuss the scriptures together. That's not hardcore. That's easy. If you can have class hmm? You can have class uh, what? Well, we could do. Yeah, we could do. Why,
2: why, why it's going to, to start
0: when? on the 24th of Tuesday. On the 24th of July, it will start. The, the first one will be the 24th of July, and it will be—it's c- called a summer something because we didn't know what we were going to do before we named it. So Rosie named it a summer something, and um, but you can bring people to it. On the 30th of June, we have a conference at Down Am- Ampney, and it is called. Highly Esteemed, actually, it's, it's actually called Highly Esteemed, Greatly Loved. And I can tell you, I have just finished this because I lost all my notes. I didn't, didn't tell you that, but I lost all my notes off my computer. I don't know how, but they just disappeared. So I had to write it again. And it is a, a conference that you can bring people who are just not quite sure about whether they are highly esteemed and greatly loved. And I really want you to think about bringing people to it. Bring people... And if you don't usually come to conferences, okay, come to this one. The 30th of June in Down Ampney, supposed to be a lovely village hall. Bring, if, you are in this, if you are in the country, come here. Mm-hmm. I know, it's a big commitment. I know, tough luck. We'll give you a cake in the afternoon. Bring a friend if you can possibly come to it. Bring a friend. This is about knowing how much God loves you. And I need to know that. I do. I need to know that. Can I just say mm. this love of the, the present and Wonderful Mother is so wonderful because, you know, you can go anywhere where
2: people really love the Lord. I, I mean I'm speaking yeah. okay, today and I know most people here but,
1: but you know, you just feel the warmth and the love are a wonderful And yesterday at Ruth's mother's funeral, her, well, her nieces read a scripture and I just knew it was looking under Jesus and the she said it that she loved the Lord and afterwards I went to speak to her, and she just made me a hug. just mm. opened and I felt I knew her straight away. It was just mm. her, mm. away, mm. so mm. lovely, mm. and it's that love. It
0: that is. is just amazing. You see mm. people's faces mm. when they come in, you don't mm. know mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Anne. And it's empowering that love. It's not soft yeah. and mushy. Yeah. It's no. really empowering, and yes. you feel and, connected.
6: Um, and she was reading from a little book that her uh, auntie had written through her Christian life. Her grandmother. Uh, grandmother, His sorry. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the text, though being dead, yet speaketh.
1: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, thank you, yeah. yeah.
6: yeah.
1: Beautiful. So that love is just so important, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it is. And actually on that note, I'm gonna just read um, from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part... Mm. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Father, I just pray that this would describe one me, but it would describe this fellowship, Lord God, that we would be known as a fellowship that loves that loves, that loves the truth and loves each other and loves you and and that has that, the, the, the empowering and the enabling of that love, that it would cause us to really encourage one another and exhort one another and establish one another and, and that we might be, become a, a place of love, a place of truth, a place where people come to because they know that that's where they can go to be loved, to be loved, and to learn about the one who calls them beloved. So I pray, Lord God, that you would do that. I pray that you would um, really call loudly to each one of us and ask, tell us, Lord, or show us the way that you would have us go, that we might be together in this, Lord. In, in maybe the last days, I don't know how many of those last days are, but I pray, Lord God, that we would be united in our desire to put truth in, into this arena, this place that we live, that you might be uh, spoken of and witnessed to and just revealed, Lord, in and through our lives as we love one another by the love that you have given us. So I pray, Lord, it's a complicated prayer, it started off simple. I pray, Lord, that you would do it, yeah. that you would do it, that uh, the fine linen, the fine white linen, which are the righteous acts of the saints, would be taken up by us and that we would start to move in the spirit by your word, Lord God, in the direction that you would have us go. And I pray that, Lord, for your glory, trusting, trusting that you have given us this desire and that you will fulfill it. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.